Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, say Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Happy belated birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. That's right, it was yesterday. Oh, so excited to still be on the planet, to be in good health, and to be here with you all. Glory to God. That's right. So many decades on this planet. (laughs) And uh, it's been an interesting ride. So I look forward to the next decades on this planet. (laughs) And uh, as long as the good Lord will bless me to be here. That's right had a glorious day so thank you so much to all of you and your wonderful happy birthday messages they were not lost on me i've also been a little mia because i had kind of a false labor alarm with my my baby my daughter is about to um gift me which we thought might be my birthday gift yesterday but it's okay because now i get to keep my day and my granddaughter will have her day it'll be fantastic but I was totally fine. I was totally fine letting my granddaughter and God crash my birthday with her birth, right? Because what greater gift could there be than for the Lord to bless you with your grandchild on your birthday? That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but that did not happen. So here we are, and uh, we are still in waiting But it's all good because mama and baby are perfectly good and they're healthy and God is good and here we are. So thank you again for your lovely messages and for sharing my birthday with me. Oh my gosh, if you guys are in my Twitter space, uh, thank you again for singing to me at midnight. That was very cool. I impromptu got on and just hit set a space to talk about cameras and classrooms, which I'm going to hit on just a little bit this evening, I have a lot that I would actually like to cover uh, tonight because a lot has been happening in the news cycle that's really captured my attention. But uh, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of let the Holy Spirit lead this one, okay? Uh, because there is a lot to cover, and I don't want to inundate you with information. And uh, you know, I want you to be left with hope and encouragement and information. Very important. And sometimes it's easy to just bleh, information on people, <laughs> and people are like, "Oh wow!" So I don't even know how to feel or think anymore about anything you just said. So I don't want to leave you with that. Um, but thank you if you were in my space because you sang happy birthday to me directly at midnight. Thank you. That was so cool. And, um, you know, y'all are just beautiful. So thank you. Again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Twitter has a thing called spaces. Uh, don't be intimidated or, or otherwise afraid of it. You can just tap in and listen right? It's all those little circles of of people's avatars at the top of your Twitter screen on your phone. And uh, just click on one of those and uh, pop into a space. You can listen. If you're not welcome, you'll know because people will uh, eject you from their space. (laughs) Don't let it hurt your feelings. It's just, it's like showing up at someone's birthday party and they don't really want you there, even though it is a public forum. Right. So it's like crashing people's party. Sometimes it depends. It's, and I've usually noticed that it's one, it's one sided. It's one sided with regard to ethnicity. Uh, certain ethnicities do not want you participating with your privileged butt in their spaces because, um, they just don't. <laughs> There's a number of reasons. You know, and for me, I'm just one of those people where I'm like, you know what? I'm not really going to hang out in a place I'm not welcome, and I'm not going to lose any sleep over it either. 
other than the fact that I keep getting accused because I'm white of being privileged and not wanting to come to the table and have an honest conversation about things. And then whenever I show up, I'm ejected. So there's that, right? But don't let that stuff, don't lose any sleep over it. Don't get bitter. Just give it over to God, right? And keep moving. Because why would you waste any time in a place where you're not welcome? You know what I mean? And you don't have to let it be an indictment on an entire ethnic group. It just doesn't. The behavior of a few people is is not indicative of, of everyone. And, and, you know, this is a good segue. So for those of you who are in spaces... I do appreciate you all whenever I retweet something and you follow me into something. That's awesome. It's a it's a great honor that you guys trust me enough to to follow me into certain places. Just full disclaimer though, um, I just because I walk into a space or I may be speaking or someone's inviting me to co-host um, doesn't always mean I agree with the personalities that are in the room um, or the topic. You know, I mean, it's just part of being an adult. Um, now, and I'm not necessarily endorsing anything either by being there. Okay. I know we live in a surveillance society when it sees something, say something, and everyone's suspicious of each other, but I just want to encourage you. Don't let it frazzle your mind, right? I'm a big girl and I know when it's time for me to remove myself from an environment. And, um, and I did that recently and (laughs) one of the, uh, people who was co-hosting was a little rude, slightly rude, actually pro tip for those of you who are co-hosting. It's very helpful when you actually allow people to speak who come up to engage in the conversation without you berating and interrupting every other word they say. Um, but you know, some people are just little, they are, they're little in their character and their maturity. They're just little, they may have great ideas. They may have actually a lot to contribute to the conversation, but no one ever taught them, you know, how to, uh, how to engage in, uh, effectual debate. Right. And so again, take your great ideas. If you find yourself in a space like that with someone who's just belligerent, that's not always an indictment on the host either. Okay, but it is up to the host to know when it's time for that person to just get the axe (laughs) and the Sandman needs to come out on the stage and that person needs to go back down to be speaker, right? So that you can mute people across the board who are being just ridiculous. And you do have that feature as a host. Uh, You do have that feature as a co-host as well. But the problem is you cannot mute the host and the host cannot mute co-hosts. So when you have a rude co-host on your hands, the only thing you can really do or a host, you just remove yourself from the environment uh, if it's just too much. And so for me, I don't really create a lot of space and time anymore for people who are just, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Gratuitously just vulgar. You know, and y'all know I got a potty mouth, so I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. But I, I use it as a matter of emphasis, not you know, and again, I'm not excusing myself, but sometimes it's just, it just gets to be so much and, and it can appear to be rude. I think it's probably just cultural differences too. Um, you know, regional differences and how people, you know, relate to one another. And, you know, I'm Greek, I'm German. I get it. Everybody yells at the table or we did. And, uh, you know, people are cussing. I mean, it could look like a madhouse to other people, right. Or not accustomed to that. But, um, but there does come a point when you just dust your feet, just dust your feet, keep moving, right? And take your peace with you. Don't leave it in the room to be trampled. Just take your peace and bow out. You know, it's simple stuff. So things that we've forgotten as adults, right? We were taught on the playground of life, but we have forgotten. So, you know, if you're ever, if you ever come into a space and you see me in there and I've invited you and you're like, and you trust me and it turns out to be a complete poop show, uh, you know, just, it's fine. Just take your peace, keep moving. Right. Um, and I will attempt to, you know, vet. Um, but uh, honestly, there are just moments that are just impromptu. And people will ask me to come up and co host, and I, I will. And I don't know people in the room. I don't know the other co host or co hosts, and I don't know the speakers. You know, I'm just, I'm in there because I trust the host. And, uh, you know, we just kind of roll with it until. I got to kick you out of my front seat or I need to jump out of your front seat, whatever it is, whoever got there first, right? I just, I got to go because 
because you're awful. So there, uh, there's my plug for that. Happy birthday, John Williams, 90 years old today. Uh, Star Wars composer. He has composed so many things. He's been a part of your life. Uh, and you probably don't even know it, especially if you're my age. He has certainly been a part of my generation, generation before me. Clearly he's 90, right? Uh, so the man has just a profound influence on our emotions and, you know, our psychology and film, you know, when it comes to film scoring, it is one of my favorite things in the world is syncing, uh, music and watching people who are really good at doing it. Um, and you know, something, uh, this, this is kind of interesting, uh, one of my favorite soundtracks, believe it or not, for as much of a musician as I am, and I do have a little bit of news on that front too, um, for as much of a musician as I am, a singer, I don't play anything. Um, I wish I did, and maybe this will be the year that I take some of that up. Um, but one of my favorite film soundtracks was from Castaway. And what's interesting about that is that Castaway, the way that music was used in that movie was brilliant because the entire time he was stranded on that island, I'm talking about, you know, Wilson and, uh, and Forrest Gump, um, the entire time, um, I keep wanting to call him Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, the entire time he was stranded, right? From the time the aircraft, spoiler alert, from the time the aircraft hit the water, right? And, and he was finding his way to shore or we saw him on shore. Um, there was no music. And, and, and for some people, you know, they're like, Ugh, they hate the soundtrack because they, th- there was something they didn't like about the movie. It just, it felt empty, right? But it wasn't empty at all because silence actually fills a lot of space And, you know, I I dated a guy one time and he used to just drive this home for me and I loved it. I've never forgotten it. And he was like, you know, Monica, the note not played is usually the most, uh, has the most noise, right? It it has the most, not noise, but the note not played is oftentimes the most important note. It's kind of like that moment right there. Like I dropped a piece of wisdom for some of you and And then I just let it hang. And in radio, that's called a pregnant pause because you're pregnant with anticipation of what's, what's she going to say next? Right? I mean, it's just cool. It's just, it's so cool behind the dynamics of the voice and the listener and how it moves you and it makes you feel. And so for me, the silence was deafening because you weren't going to have a John Williams orchestra, a symphonic movement on an island. So you were literally stranded with Tom Hanks for the majority of that movie as he worked through every single moment of being alone. There was no music. And there wouldn't have been music. And if you're ever stranded on an island you're not going to have music either. (laughs) So I thought it was just really cool. And uh, it was profound for me. It was just, it was like, wow, it was probably one of the greatest uses of film and silence. It was brilliant. And I don't even know who scored that. Wouldn't that be funny if it was John Williams? Um, But happy birthday to John Williams. He's had a profound impact on my soul uh, as a musician and, uh, second only to, well, for John Barry is, um, is probably my second favorite, but they're, you know, they're, they're in the same. I know a lot of you like Hans Zimmer. I do too. Uh, you know, but I'm, but in, in order of love affair, <laughs> it would be John Williams, John Barry and Hans Zimmer. I mean, those guys, uh, they just rock it. So happy birthday, sir. 90th birthday today. Um, so I was talking about, um, I was talking about, well, I may as well go ahead and break the news. So I think I'm praying about this, but I'm probably going to make a slight return back to music this year. Um, I have a lot in my heart, a lot in my mind, um, and really it's just a really good space um, for me to be. And I miss it, so I've started working 
uh, on my voice, even though I use my voice all the time. Um, I, you know, my singing voice is, is a little bit different. Working that is different and just kind of working out the range. It'll be interesting to see where my range is now. You know, I used to have a four octave range, um, and you know, could just blow it out with the best of them. Um, and I, and I gotta tell you, it's cathartic. I miss it. It's, uh, with all the noise going on in the world, you know, music is just, it's one of those places where I feel like it's got, it's one of God's languages, um, that we just has been abused. It's been ignored. It's been adulterated. It's been used for every nefarious thing you can think of. Um, you know, it incites, it discourages, it can encourage, right? I mean, think about, oh my gosh, think about your youth, right? Like I'm an eighties kid and I still believe the eighties was the best music ever. I love the seventies too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, between the seventies and the eighties, like I, that's it. I'm down. Like that's, those are my jams. Um, but I don't, I am also a classical nut. Um, you know, I've had a little bit of vocal training in a classical sense, but not nearly what I could have. And I left the music industry, um, to take care of family matters that needed to be tended to. So, um, and then went right into, you know, um, political consulting again. I never really got out of that, but just started, you know, with running a political campaign and then moved over into, um, you know, writing my first book and, uh, radio, which I've enjoyed thoroughly. And I always knew since I was very young that I, whatever I did with my life was going to involve a microphone. I've always known that because that's where I've always felt at home. Um, yeah, you know, it kind of goes along with something that I've been talking a lot about lately, uh, which is self-love, right? Self-care. It's, and I end every show with be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And things are so noisy right now on the earth. Part of the discernment conversation that I will be teaching in my Bible study coming up here very soon is going to be looking at yourself and trusting um, the Holy Spirit that's in you, right? And so trusting that Holy Spirit and trusting that you hear from the Holy Spirit, right, in fellowship. And there's something about your voice that can center you. It certainly, my voice has done that for me most of my life. When people say they hate the sound of their own voice on recordings, that's, that is actually a very clear indicator to me of how that person feels about themselves and their voice. It's kind of interesting, the psychology behind and the spirituality behind people who hate the sound of their own voice. And I've never sat across from someone in ministry who hated the sound of their own voice that didn't hate other parts about themselves that were simply hidden from view from of others, right? So I realize that most people do not like to hear the sound of their own voice. I know some of my greatest colleagues ever hated to hear the sound of their own voice, but I think for people who have gone through um, a lot of trauma in their lives, uh, there's something that becomes very comforting about your own voice. It's really interesting. Um, So that's why I'm encouraging you to become familiar with the sound of not only your audible voice, um, but that internal dialogue that goes on that gets you off track. And there's so many things around us that are jockeying, that are vying, that are literally lusting for our attention, for our thoughts, for our emotions, right? So that they can manipulate them, so that they can start wars with them, so that they can create new technology uh, with your thoughts and with your reactions to the thoughts that they propagate, to to the narratives that they um, cultivate, right? Things that you memes and things that you see on the news and things that you see on social media and tropes and you know, I mean, none of what I'm telling you is new. 
Um, you know, whether you're watching film or episodics or, you know, you're scrolling through the nightly news and you've seen all of those things on YouTube docs and all of that, where it's kind of creepy where you see like a hundred different newscasters and someone has the ability to sync them all at the same time. And they're saying the same thing. And they're in different cities. They're in different states at different times of day on different stations. They're not even part of the same syndicate. Right? The same conglomerate, but but they are. They are part of the same syndicate. There's a very real information syndicate that has been deployed in order to influence you and to ultimately influence sociopolitical things in the landscape of a geopolitical um, fashion. And and ultimately, uh, you know, it comes down to control. Control and greed and monetary gain, right? And and really at the center of all of that is you. It's you. No one has to fire a shot on you. No one has to drop a nuclear weapon on this country. And I want to address that quickly. Please get that out of your head. I, as far as I'm concerned, people ask me on the daily, or why aren't you talking about the possibility of a nuclear strike? Well, I'll tell you why. Primarily, I don't think it's expedient. And I don't think Putin, for as egomaniacal as he is, he's not a dumb leader. He's just not. And neither are the Chinese, mind you. And the Chinese are getting into a position where they are about to starve their people. Their people are about to starve. And so people need resources. Now, I'm not saying they can't target specific cities in America. But in terms of just annihilating the country, now, would a refugee crisis you know, cause a major upheaval and disturbances to our way of life here in the States. Of course it would if there was a particular city, you know, that they t- intended to strike. But some of you are, y'all got to calm down. Like you are just convinced that those days are coming and, you know, you've got wars and rumors of wars. And I think there's a lot of rumors of wars going on right now. So stop reacting online. And if you're going to react you know, react with sobriety, right? All of this hysterical, anyone, anytime someone comes into my space and they're hysterical, I shut that down because you're not going to come into my space and influence people who are following me with your hysteria. No, I'm not going to let, I don't want that. I don't want that energy in my space. And I'm no, that, that would be like someone coming in talking about violence or, and people have not violence specifically, but we got to take it back, man. We got to rise. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. So let's play a game for all, since you're here, right. And you're no longer tweeting about it and you're talking about, we got to take a stand. Okay. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like to you? And it's amazing what happens whenever you will call people out on that type of rhetoric because they won't answer you. And they really don't have an answer, right? All the people who are just ready to run for the Second Amendment. And I'm like, hmm, well, that's interesting. Um, what, what, what exactly are you thinking? Right? And so people have all these big, bad, and furthermore, you damn sure not coming into my space talking about some violence because I'm not trying to have to answer for your craziness. And I don't normally attract people like that. Thank God. And if I even remotely sniff that that's who you are, you get expelled. Let me just go on record and say that. You're out of here. Like, I just, I'm not going to entertain that type of rhetoric. And for you feds who like to listen to my show, or some of you I know have tried to come into my spaces, you know, the the gig is up. Like, I'm not interested. I'm just, that is not what my brand is. And I'm not going to allow my platform to be used to, um, to corral, you know, whatever this new DHS brouhaha is around domestic terrorists because you disagree with, you know, election results. No, I'm not going to contribute to that. So if people come into my arena um, with violent speak, which I got to tell you, I can't, other than someone saying, we got to take it back and keep take a stand. And then I'm like, all right, what does that mean? Right? Like, yeah, I, know, I want you to say it. Say it out loud. Don't just tweet it. Like, if that's how you really feel, then say it. Well, what are your big grandiose ideas of taking it back exactly if it doesn't have to do with your constitutional rights to deal with your states on a state level? 
right? Like you're not going to come in here and get me shut down because you've got some wackadoo idea about what needs to be done, but you're also not going to come in here and just kind of pussyfoot around, like spit it out. And you, again, you'd be amazed what happens whenever people come out from behind tweets. And sometimes people really are just that like fed up. And so they will come out with stuff like that. And as soon as you're like, well, Hey man, do you realize that you actually have steps that you can take? Have you gone to uh, compose emails? Have you made the phone calls? Have you made an appointment with your legislators, uh, you know, in your state? Have you, have you done all of those steps as a voter uh, who has rights, right? to, uh, in a meaningful way, have dialogue with your legislators to be like, hey, fun fact, dude, this year is an election year, right? And if I don't see this, this, and this on the ballot, then guess what that means? You don't get reelected. <laughs> I mean, there's one way of approaching it, and you'd be surprised what happens whenever you start talking about, uh, we're not voting for you. Matter of fact, not only we're not voting for you, but we've put our money, we pulled our money together to support this other person. And we've already got all the mailers. We've got, you know, all of the, the, uh, literary hit pieces that need to go out and, you know, and Hey, fun fact, Frank, or whatever your legislator's name is, you know, I'd hate for your name to be on this mailer. That's going to remind everybody of how you didn't have our backs with this, this, and that legislation that we really wanted in our district. What? Like the pucker factor would be off the charts. So that's how you quote fight back, (laughs) right? But don't get yourself sucked into some retarded honeypot or, you know, some false flag. You know, if you're marching for life, that's one thing. Generally speaking, you guys are peaceful, but you know, don't let people infiltrate your constitutional rights, you know? And if anyone starts, if, if you notice that someone's in your group, because I noticed this in my spaces, if it in, in, in my space period, um, online particularly, if you're, and I have noticed this at certain, uh, events where I've, where I've spoken and I'll notice that, you know, there's someone who just comes up with this off the wall, like attitude, right? Like their attitude is not an alignment or maybe it's a subtle suggestion, right? Uh, so just watch people like that. They are, some people are being deployed to trip you up. They just are. And they're there, quite honestly, to play on your emotions. So my, the whole point of my show for the past year, uh, while yes, I encourage you to have emotions about things, right? But is also to uh, harness those emotions and turn them into exercising your constitutional rights. Now, Don't forget, you have a Department of Homeland Security and you have a DOJ that is hell-bent on suggesting that your Constitution is actually dangerous, much less those of you who want to live by it. So, you know, you got to be aware of of the current narratives, but I would suggest you can't allow that to stop you because you do still have constitutional rights even though they're being trampled. It doesn't mean the document's gone. And and trust me when I tell you this, God is a God of justice. And this goes for those of you who do listen to my show who are possibly on the wrong side of this conversation. I want to remind you of something. Um, I pray pretty fairly diligently that whoever is in the process of molesting due process and people's constitutional rights that you will, that God will provide place for repentance for you and that your, your foot would be removed from the snare. Whatever snares you've created for others because of your ideology or your job or maybe your ego is just so big and you have a badge and you think you're above it all. I don't know. I don't know what your motives are. Or maybe someone's, you know, extorted you or blackmailing you. And so you're doing it to other people. I have no idea. Maybe you're scared to death of your agencies and your bureaus. Who knows? I get it. They're kind of scary. Not going to lie. But, you know, scarier still is the day that you face your maker and your maker's like, so you know, John, let's talk about the innocent person that you framed. And I want you to take a look at all the lives that you affected in all of the generations. Or Susie, let's talk about the lies that you made up in order to save your own tale instead of standing with the truth 
let's talk about the false accusations that you compiled against someone or the lies that you crafted in order to use the laws um, in, a, in, a, in an advantageous way for yourself to uh, perpetuate um, false accusations that ultimately led to the conviction of an innocent person. Those are things that you will answer for on the other side of eternity, if not here. I mean, and I'm not a person who believes in karma, so that's not what I'm saying. I mean, karma is a bitch, and and I really need God's mercy. So, And so do you, by the way. So when I say I'm praying for people's, you know, for God to have, because the Bible says, you know, that God gives place to repentance, not Monica, right? I'm not going to shame you into it. Shame doesn't really work for reprobate uh, population, quite honestly, it doesn't. If you're if you've been given a reprobate mind about something, good luck because you really do need the Holy Spirit because there's no shaming that's going to get you out of that. You're past that. There are like hardwired pathways in your anatomical brain that will not allow you to repent and turn around and go in a different direction. So that that has to be worked out by the Holy Spirit. So there's no sense in me losing my sleep over it. What I do is just hand you over to the Lord in prayer, and then I just, you know, trust that His Word is true, and it does not return void. And so I do pray that those of you who are on the wrong side of actual justice and on the wrong side of the Constitution, that you will rethink your position, and that you will repent, right? And then work that out with your creator. And so speaking of people who are on the wrong side and shaping narratives, um, you know, some of you saw my Twitter feed today. I was just, I'm amazed. I was mortified quite honestly, uh, by something that uh, a friend of mine sent to me. He's been on a deep dive of, you know, just connecting all the dots between, uh, deep state, or if you want to call them the fourth branch, or some people laugh and call them the fourth element, whatever. Some folks call them the military industrial complex, which would be comprised of your agencies and bureaus, um, you know, contractors. So you've got, you know, technical industries, other industries as well. They're involved, uh, people who are interested in tracking you, your kids, uh, all of that. And that's really where the conversation went the other night with regard to cameras and classrooms. Um, it inevitably, it, it ended on the bigger threat to some of you think it's a good thing, right? Because you feel like you have a right to know what your teachers are teaching your kids. And I just simply put out my argument and then let you guys go for broke. And you did. And you went for five hours. It was amazing. Um, and we had some folks show up in the space who, you know, that this, this is their area of quote expertise or has been for years. And so they dropped a couple of excuse me, ideas in the space that I think for some of you is the first time you had ever considered that, which is cool, right? And it's good that it's good to know that you guys are still open-minded about things, particularly where, when it comes to your children. And I don't mean open-minded in the sense of believing every wind of doctrine or doctrines of devils and confusing your children about sexual things or ethnic things or our history as the United States goes, and certainly not implying that we have a perfect history by any means. But I, I dare say that our history hasn't really been uh, submitted to most of us, honestly, uh, on a large scale. And I'll just leave that right there for now. So, but I feel like with cams in the classrooms, you know, it was an interesting dialogue. It's still on my Twitter feed. Um, you can go listen to it there. You'd have to scroll down to like, when was that? Sunday? Nah. Yeah, Sunday evening, because we all sing happy birthday Monday at midnight. Um, because my birthday was Monday. But I encourage you to listen to that. I mean, you can fast forward, you can rewind, you don't have to sit and listen to the whole thing. Um, but, you know, interesting to note how your kids and their data, you know, their images, uh, their feelings, their behavior, not just their test scores, all of this data is aggregated. And then you have to ask yourself for what? Right. And if you were in my space uh, a couple of weeks ago, whenever Zach Voorhees just like literally just jumped into the space, it wasn't even mine. It was someone else's. I just happened to jump in there, too. And then I was asked to come up and co-host. And I think Zach saw that I was in it and he came in to check out what we were talking about. Next thing you know, we've we've gotten like a four hour education on 
all things, holy crap, this is where society is going. And, um, you know, and Zach was the uh, whistleblower, Google whistleblower, and, and Zach is a brilliant technical mind. Uh, for some people, his rhetoric is scary for some of you. I understand that. Um, but it's it's not like he's, you know, not well founded or educated in his, in his opinions about things. But as with all information, including whatever I give you, you know, you take it, you chew it, you chew the meat, spit out the bones, right? Whatever you're not ready to receive, you're not going to receive. So you don't have to spend your life trying to uh, dispel it. Just move on. Again, this, I could title this show, Dust Your Feet, Keep Moving. So if someone says something that you're just like, oh, that's ridiculous. I can't even see that coming ever. Just dust your feet and keep moving because you're just not ready to hear it. It's fine. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a price for your ignorance. Right? And the Bible says my people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. And sometimes it's just not your time to have, you know, certain knowledge. And not all, not all knowledge is expedient. I've talked about that too in my spaces recently where, um, you know, we live in this culture of I demand to know everything right now, disclose it all. You know, we live in this entitled to all the details of every single piece of information. Um, and it's like, no, no, there are, I mean, the mature look at that is that not everyone needs to have access to every piece of information because it's not expedient. And what are you going to do about it? I mean, I would ask you guys of the 75% of the information you have about all of the hell that's going on in the earth right now and who's, and who's perpetuating it and who started it. Thank you, Bush senior and others. Um, how, how frustrated are you? How much of your day or life in the past year has been spent being supremely frustrated because you don't feel like you have any power over it, right? So it's like the more information you get and the more, the more disclosure there is about a thing, about every single nuance and detail, and maybe they're not giving you details. Maybe they're just dropping like a huge bomb, but there's no details and you're left literally sitting there with like a crap sandwich going, what do I do with this thing? Right. Because in the meantime, I've got bills to pay, mouths to feed, butts to wipe. And, you know, I need to stay healthy and I've got a job. I have a boss. You know, I mean, you have life going on, right? Trying to take care of your parents. I mean, whatever it is, raising kids. And, but yet there's just this ocean of information of where there's not enough information or there's too much information that really, you know, most of you leave spaces and Twitters and the news cycles and, Elections, you you know, you, you you end the day with frustration about what you can and can't do about something. But I will tell you, cameras in the classroom are is something that you can do something about. So this is this all began in Iowa by a Republican, nevertheless, in a rural area. So you got to wonder about that. So just think about the details of this. So there's a rural school, right? So then you have to ask yourself, why would a rural school be concerned in Iowa? Like, I'm not talking about rural Georgia, where we know that, you know, certain curriculum that you guys don't care for can infiltrate, right? And because it has infiltrated all of education, including but not limited to your thirty dollars to $50,000 a year private uh, college prep schools, mind you. Yes, it has infiltrated that as well. And so, but you got to wonder, who's being incentivized? What's the incentive? Are they getting computers? to install, to go along with this installation of cameras, to be on this edge technology uh, where the education system is concerned? Like who's pushing the surveillance state? And why do people want to surveil others to the extent that they do? And sure, we've lived in a surveillance state. Many of you brought that to my attention and made that your, you know, your overarching argument for cameras in the classroom. Well, what difference does it make, Monica? We've had cameras in the classroom for the past 20 years. We've had them in our schools. We've had them in our hallways. We blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all the 2010 reasons why you still think the Patriot Act is a good idea. Right? Because we ought to protect ourselves. Or you think it's cool that some 400 pound woman who doesn't like you has the ability to molest you, you know, as you're sitting there without your belt on and your shoes at an airport check line, whatever that is, whatever good that's done for us. Right? Or that you can't kiss your loved ones goodbye. You got to send your kid off to, to the gate with some stranger, uh, in most instances, hoping that they get there. 
And then don't add COVID onto the situation. It's all for our protection, right? When did our airliners give a damn about our, uh, our, uh, our uh, disease-free lifestyle? Last I checked, you all were supposed to be keeping my aircraft in the air and getting me back down on the ground safely, right? Like, I don't care what you think about my breathing practices or, and if you guys have these amazing filters, which you say you do, then the safest filters on earth, better than hospitals, then what the hell are we all wearing face diapers for? Why are you telling me this is a federal mandate? <laughs> I mean, it is insane, as if it's a law, right? Like you guys don't wield all of the power in this country. Come on, Delta. We've seen you do it. Went from 14 or 10 or 14 days of separation from people who, when you've been exposed to COVID or you've had COVID down to five. Why? Because one little man from a very powerful company called the CDC and said, look here, Robin, we got to have a chat, sister. Uh, Our people who have been vaccinated, they need to be able to come back to work even if they've been exposed or if they've had it. So why don't you cut us down to five days? And next thing you know, poof, voila, it's magic. Then it's five days. And most of you are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Most people and physicians included would say this. If you've had COVID, you haven't gone through the life cycle of the virus in five days. So what? Right. If anything, some people who are going to get worse through the life cycle of the virus is just they're just hitting the crappy stage of the the life cycle of the virus. And and you, it's affecting your bottom line. And so while you're controlling the rest of us with face masks, blaming it on alcohol, that people are a little fed up with your Nazi rhetoric every five minutes reminding us like we're imbeciles and and just indigents that we cannot understand how to keep our mask on for five minutes you know for an entire flight you got to come on every two minutes to remind us and by the way just as a friendly reminder ladies and gentlemen if you fall asleep with your mask down we will be ridiculous and come by and touch your body even though we shouldn't be touching you on our aircraft to remind you to pull your face mask up and if you don't god forbid we will have a police escort for you as soon as we land Doesn't sound like family-friendly skies to me. But this is the craziness we live in now. I totally digress. So when you start talking about, you know, why did I have a little bit of a confession today on Twitter about, oh, wow, talk about a revelation about how duped we've all been, right? So there's an article, go check it out, on my Twitter feed that is talking about contractors, um, and your fourth dimension that I, you often hear people talk about in my space. And um, hold on, I'm going to pull it up. And I've shared it with you guys. I've shared it with others who actually work in this space, right? And guys I have a lot of respect for and girls I have a lot of respect for um, who work in the whole cyber world and, and they do work for the DOD or, you know, maybe they are part of that whole apparatus and, and they do love their country, and and they do, um, you know, create um, just amazing technology and facilitate right the exploration and the manufacturing of and uh, of of life saving technology right throughout um, throughout our uh, military's history. That is wonderful. That is great. That is godly. That is awesome. Uh, that has nothing to do with manipulating. Uh, the minds of people through fake narrative campaigns that pe- that just get people all wired up and nuts. And so there was a, um, all right, hold on. Here it is. Here it comes. Here it comes. And you'll find it because it says, read this right now. <laughs> and it's a piece called, and you can find it, truthout.org. That truthout, all one word, Org. Okay, it's called Homeland Security's attempts to, quote, combat misinformation are suspect. Gee, you think? Right? So there's an entire entity that has been created by this Department of Justice. I remember getting into it with a gentleman who was uh, on when I was on LinkedIn, and he's DOJ, and he used to follow me. A matter of fact, he may be like CID or DIA. I don't know, one of those three letters. And... um and he was touting how wonderful this was going to be to really 
you know, pull all the stops out on being able to stop domestic terrorism around false information. And, and I'm like, I'm like, whoa, ho, hey, whoa, whoa. Who gets determined? Who gets to determine what's false information? Like this sounds like a witch hunt to me. And as soon as I just posed my disagreement, which wasn't disrespectful, um, but it was honest, right? He goes off and tells me that I'm being reckless and negligent in my in my assessment of of what they're working on, and that you know how dare I? Basically, he accused me. His response, his reaction to me, accused me of the he he enacted the very thing that I'm pushing back against, which he said he wasn't going to do, or that this new um, this new uh, component to DHS or DOD wasn't going to practice. And there he was in real time practicing it with me. Well, so what does he do? Like a total grown adult, he blocks me before I can even retort. He just, he blocks me and then our entire conversation is gone. Imagine that. He works for the DOD and our conversation is wiped. And so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Thank you for proving my point. I mean, what I'm telling you is that these are dangerous lines to cross when when someone gets to determine, oh, you gave an opinion on the election. You gave an opinion on this or that, uh, or you reported on this, and you continued to give that opinion, and you continued to report, and because people follow you who who may not, you know, who knows? I have a, over 100,000 followers. I don't know every one of my followers, and I don't, uh, and I know myself, and I don't speak to incite, Right. But this goes back to the feelings and the thought police. And so what they're trying to do is criminalize people uh, who are influencers and or their followers or both who, uh, who are basically offering dissent. In, it, in a perfect nutshell, that's it. But this article really delves into just the complete injustice that's been perpetuated upon the Muslim community in this country. And it, it really broke me. I'm not going to lie. There are certain parts of this piece that broke me because I thought you dirty bastards. Like I have actually bought into and believed some of what was propagated by, by this apparatus through the media, through bots, through whatever, right? Through through these things that are people who are deployed into these narrative spaces to do exactly that, um, to inflame, to disinform, to create a common enemy. And reading this piece, whenever you go read it, it, it should make you sad. Because what it's done to the, I can't even imagine living in this country in an Islamic community and knowing that you have infiltrators in your mosques that are, you know, and I know some of you are like, yo, well, this is for national security. I understand national security. That's fine. But let me ask you something. When's the last time that anyone came forward with a cell that was uncovered? I mean, I'm serious. We could just stop right there. When's the last time you've read or otherwise heard about an actual legitimate cell of terrorists in this country that was reported on? I mean, hell, we had the lone wolf in Texas who just attempted to, to, to annihilate, um, you know, uh, our fellow brothers and Jewish brothers and sisters. Right. And, and you're going to tell me he wasn't on someone's radar. So how did he how did he fall through the cracks? Is this another false flag? And so now so is this another hate on Muslims campaign? Is that what we're doing? Right? And so for me it's not that I've it's not that I've run down the field with some hateful rhetoric towards Muslims. My my rhetoric around Islam usually stays within the realm of uh oppression versus freedom. The God who has a son who died to set the captives free versus a God who does not have a son, right? And I can see the oppressive nature 
of certain practices in sects, S-E-C-T-S's, of Islam that are oppressive to women, that do throw gays off of buildings, that do have sex with uh, beasts and children. So I do see that, right? And that is totally not holy. And who do mutilate little girls in their genitalia. Yes, so all of that is part of that practice. And those are things that as a Christian and as a minister, I'm, you're not going to find me saying, oh, well, that's okay. You know, that's just, that's their, that's their belief system as they're, as they're here in my community attempting to, um, you know, shut down a Christian church, uh, or perpetuate that type of, or Sharia law, right? I mean, what do you think act for America is for? What do you think Brigitte Gabrielle has been uh, has been fighting? You know, since she landed on these shores, as she was held hostage, right, by terrorists for most of her young life, and was able to flee here. And she's like, "Hey, uh, wake up! There's an infiltration occurring where Sharia law is really the end goal, and ultimately, it will do away with your constitutional rights." And that's just but one ideology that's attempting to do away with your constitutional rights. That just happens to be a, quote, religious one, okay? But it certainly isn't um, grounds for demonizing an entire body of humans. And that's what has been fanned. And so with that realization today of just how many people have been, you know, here's the favorite word of the left, marginalized, right? How many people have been made the common enemy, right? For the sake of, you know, it's almost like we've been on like this. And again, I was going to say weapons of mass destruction. Um, And again, you're talking to someone, World War II veteran dad, Marine nephew, you know, I, my sister, Air Force career, Air Force, I mean, come on, I'm extraordinarily pro-military, right? All about national security. Do not send me classified documents. I'm not interested. That whole thing, right? I don't need to know what I don't need to know. I'm very clear about all of that. And so, and I respect authority and all that good stuff, right? But when it comes to this uh, neuro-linguistic programming, these are things that are right out there in the open for you to go look up. It's nothing. It's not hidden. It's in plain sight. Some of your corporations practice it. Some people think it's great. Some people think it's a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, practice in their daily lives to neuro-linguistically program yourself, you know, for you too, for 1999 can, you know, neuro-linguistically program yourself right out of bad habits or into good habits, you know, whatever. We're all so psychologically based, but the human mind is a really beautiful and powerful thing. And it is more powerful than any nuclear weapon. Because for you to have the power to to shift and shape and mold and to control and manipulate and beguile uh, groups of people for whatever your purpose is, I don't know, y'all, where I come from, that is called Demonology 101. That that is the quintessential, um, you know, way to manipulate according to Satan's kingdom. And I'm just not interested in that. Now, I am not clearly not some military strategist, right? I have no part in any of that. But as someone who wants to love God's creation, as in people, right? Something that is dangerous to my ability to do that and to live peaceably in my own soul, I'm not talking about my outward expression, right? I'm talking about what my inward thoughts on things, my belief system, those fears and the dread that that these narratives try to impart to you, right, about certain people. Uh, How many people are, are now super afraid of blacks because of BLM tropes and narratives, right? And so I've tried to encourage you, hey, if you've fallen into that, do yourself a favor, uh, get out and uh, introduce yourself to some people who don't look like you. <laughs> 
engage, open the door, buy coffee, uh, start a conversation. Hey, I like your shirt, love your hair, you're a beautiful person, whatever. You'd be surprised how people take that. Have your own personal kinetic, uh, you know, interaction with people that honestly, it breaks all of that down. That is the greatest weapon that you have to use in your arsenal. It's not your gun. It's not your, it's not your tightly held and wound beliefs. It's not you showing up with your flags and all of that. I mean, none of this is new. I understand that. I'm starting to believe, hell, the government funded the KKK, and I don't even know if that's true, but, uh, and I'll plan to look it up. But now, you know, it's just like, well, that actually makes sense. It makes perfect sense because we really are just so easy. God rest his soul. My late, my late pastor used to say, you know, he'd, he'd get down into this little voice where he was mocking us on some level. And he was really just trying to make a point that Satan of what Satan thinks about us. You're so easy. And we are. We're easy to be manipulated and to be inflamed or to be completely lulled and terrorized into a stupor in a corner where you too are in a Joe Biden diaper and sucking your thumb and waiting for your feeding because you just can't get yourself together because you don't know what to believe and who to believe and what's up and what's down. And it's the arrow on the milk carton vertical or horizontal. And you just don't know anymore. And what I've been sharing with you is do yourself a favor, stop the madness, pay attention to who's pulling your strings and who's pulling the strings in this country, who's pulling strings abroad. And as when it comes to what you can do about it, you exercise your constitutional rights on your local and state level. That is something you can do about it. You guard your mind and your ears and your eyes, and you get up every day and you put on the armor of God first. That's what you do about it. You make a decision, a conscious decision, that you're going to pursue God through his word, and you're going to trust that God is going to open your mind and your heart to his truth, wash that little mind of yours out, Get rid of some of those pathways that have been infiltrated by a very real enemy, spiritually and otherwise, and you're going to get your mind right, and you're going to get your heart right, and you're going to get your words right, and you're going to start enjoying your life and the fellow creations around you instead of fearing people, instead of reacting about and to people and groups of people, you're not going to get sucked into these honeypots and these traps And, you know, you're not going to be, it's America or die. No, it should be the kingdom of God or bust. And there's a risk that comes with that. There's an inherent risk that comes with that. And we were told that we'd be persecuted for it. And you likely will be. But that change begins in you. It doesn't begin with you standing out on the corner with poster boards and tracks and, you know, are you going to heaven or hell? I mean, most of you doing that don't even know what you're doing. So, you know what I mean? It's like, give us a break. Like, can you just, you know, can you relate to people? Can you meet people right where they are? You know what I mean? Can you stand where you are in your jurisdiction on your constitutional rights and on the, on the word of God and in a loving manner, but in a, in a, in a position of a, a posture of, of authority? Can you do that spiritual authority? Can we do that? Yeah. If the answer is you don't know, I hear you, but that's a good place to start. That is a really good, humble place to start. So my heart was broken today, I'm not going to lie, in my revelation of just how manipulated I was for years, uh, believing some of the, oh my God, especially with the Bushes and their whole crap and we're going over. You know, I didn't even know what was going on. I had no knowledge at all at the time. I was not even involved in politics on a full-time basis. And I watched the statue of Saddam Hussein come down. And then I watched what was going on in Egypt, and there was something in my in my spirit that was like, you know, all of this toppling of of really bad actors in these regime, just nasty, awful dictators, sounds like a good idea. But what is this really about? 
that was just something I organically discerned. I had, I had, I didn't even have friends in the, and in any other area of life could be quite honest with you. I was busy raising a kid. And so outside of my Christian friends, but it, I'll just never forget watching that statue topple and thinking to myself, something's not right about this. Not that he wasn't a complete piece of trash, but I'm just saying something was off. <laughs> and whenever you realize what's been going on in the game that's been played, you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, now it all makes sense. And then you have to reconcile that in your soul. You have to reconcile that. You don't just ignore it, and you don't just get mad and bitter about it, and you don't hate the government over it. Uh, You process that, and you take it to God, and you ask for forgiveness for your involvement on a soul level, on a mental level, emotional level. Maybe you've had words about it. Uh, Maybe you've held hatred in your heart or fear toward other people, you know, and you ask God for forgiveness, cleanse you up of clean you up of all that crap, dust your butt off and, you know, forgive yourself and keep on moving. Do better. That is the greatest threat against the current system hell-bent on changing the absolute landscape of this country. So we need to do better. All right, until next time. Thanks for listening. Told you I had a lot to say. (laughs) Tomorrow's hump day. Maybe I'll be back then. But, uh, you know, we'll see. God willing and the creek don't rise and all that Southern stuff. Hey, go follow Larry Taunton. T-A-U-T-O-N. Anywhere. Go look him up. He's awesome. And I look forward to having him on my show in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, hey, be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.